It's time now for Love Talk with your host, Evelyn Davison, Kathy Enderbrock, and Carrie Brinkater. Their guest today is Tom Doyle. Hello, friends, and welcome to Love Talk. You are here on today's Christian Talk, 1120 AM, The Bridge. Thank you so much for joining us. Wow, what a beautiful day. We also have on the line today our wonderful and amazing friend, Miss Kathy Enderbrock. Hello, Kathy. Hi, Carrie. So great to be talking with you today. I have been looking forward to this. I've had it on my calendar. We get to have one of my favorite people as a guest in studio, but we're also missing one of my favorite people in studio. I tell you, listeners, I know that you're missing your favorite voice, Miss Evelyn of uh, Love Talk. Miss Evelyn had a bad fall a couple of weeks ago, and she is recovering. Of course, you know Miss Evelyn is filled with the joy of Christ every single day, and she has a great outlook. Um, She's just not feeling that well. The doctors have kind of kept her homebound for the last couple of weeks um, on a heart monitor and just trying to figure out why she's not feeling very well. So you can add that to your prayer list, listeners, because we are missing Miss Evelyn. I, Kathy, I know you and I spoke before the show, and when I walked in the studio, I got tears in my eyes because um, it's just not quite right without Miss Evelyn here. <laughs> I know. It, it, she adds, I mean, she is Love Talk, right? She is I mean, she Love Talk. She started Love Talk over 25 years ago. And um, she always brings in all the beautiful uh, sayings that she has, that mm-hmm. Jesus is our rope of hope. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be, uh, what is it? She says that um, you living and, living and loving and caring and daring. And Miss Evelyn is a daring woman. And, you know, we've been preparing a, a series, and I've written this, a piece on Patmos after visiting the island uh, over the summer, and it struck me that Evelyn is the same age as the Apostle John when he got sent to the mm. island of Patmos, and she is going just as strong as mm. we see John in the Bible, being just as strong in the Lord. Wow. I, I that That's amazing. Um, yeah, they're in their 80s, and um, just praising Jesus every day. So so listeners, please keep Miss Evelyn in your thoughts and your prayers today. Now, Kathy, we know that it's uh, still quite hot outside and probably will be for a while, but school is back in session. And are you boohooing or are you yahooing? Boohoo or yahoo? <laughs> okay, a little bit of both, obviously, right? As mom so many times, we're just torn right down the middle. I just I can't believe that I have an 11th grader, and that's, that's kind of my biggest boohoo, I guess, is that I only get to have her for two more years, and so I'm just cherishing every moment that I have with this beautiful girl before she goes off to college, And but I will have to say, it is nice having the house a bit quiet in the morning. You know, they go to school at about 7.30 in the morning. And my 11th grader, of course, now she's driving, so they just all hop in the car, and I wave goodbye instead of getting in the car myself. Mm -hmm. Um, it's It's a different time of life. It's a pretty incredible experience. Wow. Yeah, we're not quite there yet. You guys know I have an 8th grader and a 7th grader, so we're not quite there yet. But it is definitely mixed emotions. I was at the school last night for a a meeting, and a, a senior mom said to me, 51. And I said, what is, what is 51? She said, I have 51 weekends left with my girl before she goes off to college. And I just thought, oh, my stars. Wow. Well, I hope that parents out there that whether you're boohooing or yahooing, you are rejoicing in Jesus today. And we just have such a wonderful, wonderful show for you today. This summer, we've been talking about the thrill of hope. So many things. We've talked about the thrill of connection and making a difference. Today, we're talking about the thrill of hope without fear. Without fear, friends, are you standing in the fire? Are you willing to stand in the fire? Our guest today is Tom Doyle, and he has a new book out called Standing in the Fire, Courageous Christians Living in Frightening Times. He reminds us in this book that if we are not careful, we can easily succumb to fear 
And when we do, we can become a slave to it. I want you to think about that for just a second. For just a second. If we are not careful, we can become a slave to fear. Has there ever been in a time in your life where you have let worry or anxiety or a fear of where your next um, meal was coming from, have you ever let that consume you? And there's so many things in the Bible, over 200 biblical admonitions, not to fear, yet as fleshly, you know, sinful humans, so many times we let that take us over. The Lord calls us to be victors, not victims. So what are you afraid of today? Are you living a life where you're scared, where you're not willing, or where you're afraid to stand up for what is right and true? Are you afraid of being mocked or scorned or belittled for speaking the truth about the saving message of Jesus? We all have our fears. We all have them. A little bit later, and I'll show, I'll tell you about a little social media experiment that I did about our fears. But today, we are going to look at real-life stories of those whose lives were in mortal danger, yet they chose to speak up for Christ. Our special key verse for today is, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's Joshua 1.9, friends. And there are, you know, like I said, about 200 more of those verses in the Bible that just command us to not be afraid. Well, Tom Doyle is our guest today. And, oh, friends, he has written so many amazing books. He is actually the vice president of uh, and ministry partners of E3 Partners. He fell in love with the Middle East on his first biblical tour of the Holy Land. And in 1995, he became an official tour guide for the state of Israel. I think that's quite amazing. I'd love to hear um, how that developed. But Tom and his wife just developed a passion for ministering to the Israeli people, to the Arabs, to the Jews. And he felt called into full-time ministry there in 2001. And he joined the E3 Partners as the Middle Eastern Branch Director. He and his wife, Joanne, began working in the heart of the Islamic world shortly after 9-11, and I can't even imagine what that was like to be just right in the middle of um, the Middle East as 9-11 had just occurred here in America. His ministry to pastors in the region has opened up valuable doors, and he's been able to build relationships and gather these stories of just wonderful, wonderful people who have um, who are living their lives for Jesus Christ. Tom Doyle, welcome to Love Talk. Oh, great to be with you, Kathy and Carrie. It's my my pleasure. Well, great, great. Now, Tom, I know you have a, a beautiful family. What did I miss there in the introduction? Oh, gosh, nothing. Well, you know, uh, my wife Joanne and I are privileged to minister together. We just celebrated our 37th anniversary, and um, we are so blessed to, you know, because when I was a pastor, we talked about we minister together, but really, I was preaching on Sunday morning, and she was sitting in about the third row refereeing our six kids, you know, <laughs> trying to keep them in line, three boys and three girls, where they were playing pinch during the sermon, you know, and all that stuff. So, <laughs> hey, that's anyways. a fun game. I like playing pinch. Yeah, but actually, we do minister now and jo- together, and Joanne started a women's ministry called Not Forgotten, Women of the Middle East are Not Forgotten, whether they're Jewish or Muslim, powerful ministry. If you can reach the mom in a family, you can reach that family. Uh, most certainly. And so um, we've been with E3 Partners now for 17 years, branching out and starting just this month a new ministry called Uncharted, and we'll work with the underground church, persecuted believers, and also in Israel, something very close to our heart, we're going to work with Holocaust survivors. Oh, gosh. And there's about 100 to 120,000 of them left in Israel, and in 8 to 10 years, they should all be gone, oh, all wow. of them. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, most of them lost their faith in God. If there was a God, where was he in World War II? They kind of reasoned that out. But loving them back to the Father and then seeing them come to faith in Jesus is just, uh, it's just a real mission that we feel strongly called to. So we'll still be 
with E3 doing things, you know, I'll be part-time Middle East advisor, but we're launching Uncharted, a brand-new ministry. Oh, man, that sounds fantastic, Tom. We have about two minutes before our break. And, um, you know, E3 Ministries, E3 Partners, uh, right now there's a group from E3 in Sudan. Um, So this is, you know, this is a a ministry that, that... sends people all over the world to, to, to teach about Jesus, right, Tom? It really is. And, that, I, I mean, it affected my life because I was invited as a pastor to go on a mission trip, and I saw more people come to faith in Christ in a 10-day trip than I did in my church in the whole year. And I thought, oh. wow, they're on to something. And so, uh, yeah, they're, they're in 60 nations now, and we're, you know, all over the Middle East. And so I'm thankful we get to be partners and work together, side by side, as, as um, the gospel is kind of unfolding throughout the world. Wow. And, Tom, this is one of the things that really strikes me when I read your books, and I really want to talk about this when we get back. You know, you said that when you went overseas and you went to the Middle East, you saw more people saved in one trip than you had in your years back in the States. It's not just the salvation, but it's the salvation experience, because how many of us in the States can think of, the people that we have seen um, come to cry, and we think, where's where's the change? Where I, I'm not seeing, you know, I see the world in them and not Christ in them. Yeah. And yet, when you yeah. are seeing people in the Middle East come to Christ, the change is so dramatic they can't hide it, and they yeah. know that the minute they step out those doors, their life is on the line. I'm really excited to talk about the change. Um, I know we do have to go to our break, Carrie, but let's talk about when we get back the change that we see, the transformation that takes place in the lives of those who say yes to Christ and willingly put their lives on the line. Listeners, stay with us. Uh, You're going to want to hear more about this uh, after we hear from our sponsors. You know, the world has changed, and getting connected is really no longer a trend. It's a reality, and it's happening all around you, leaving you to wonder how do you get connected to your customers while staying ahead of the digital revolution and your competition. Well, Texas SEO is a Christian-based online marketing company, and they're the partner you can always rely on to navigate through the ever-evolving digital landscape. To schedule your free consultation and digital analysis, call Texas SEO at 1-888-988-9736 or visit the website texasseo.com or simply Google Christian SEO Company and you'll find them in the first position. Ellison Salazar, Garage and Body Shop. At Ellison Salazar, customer satisfaction is our main concern. For a tune-up or major body work, Central Texans have trusted Ellison Salazar for over 55 years. Ellison Salazar, hail damage specialist, smoothing out life's dents and bumps, big or small, for you and your car. Now at three locations, south at 4501 South Congress, north at 8808 Research Boulevard and New Northwest location at 8425 Anderson Mill Road. Call 444-5555. That's 444-5555. Ellison Salazar. Fixing your auto problems and needs with a happy face and the best professional touch. George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. These CASA friends are professionals with more than 40 years' experience in providing heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical services in the Austin area. If your heating isn't heating, your cooling isn't cooling, or your drains aren't draining, well, then you need to call our friends at CASA at 334-7300. They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. So big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. 
Call CASA at 334-7300. From inspiration to insurance and protection, all for serving the Lord Jesus. We all need insurance. Why not work with an agent that understands the biblical principle of protection and risk management to ensure your family's future? Ray and Justin Garner are Christian business professionals who will put a Christian perspective on your insurance and inspiration needs. For auto, home, life, business, health, boat, motorcycle, RV and dental, and church protection needs, Ray, Justin, and Luana can be reached at 626-4880 or 986-4944 for church protection, personal protection, and business protection. Ray and Justin are independent Texas businessmen that have dedicated their lives and business to the advancement of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ through Austin Triad Ministries. Call Ray Garner Insurance Agency and ask for Ray at 626-4880 or Justin at 986-4944. Let's return now for more Love Talk with your hosts, Kathy Enderbrock and Carrie Brinkater. They're talking with Tom Doyle. Hello, listeners, friends. Welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You are on the bridge, and you are here with Love Talk. I'm Coach Carrie Brinkater. Of course, we have Kathy Enderbrock on the line, and our very special guest today is Tom Doyle. Tom Doyle is a former pastor who fell in love with the Middle East when he was invited to go on a mission trip to Israel. And um, for since about 1995, uh, well, actually since before that, right, Tom, about 1990 or so, you have just um, been ministering to um, the people groups in the Middle East, and you've seen incredible, amazing things. As Kathy mentioned before our break, listeners, um, Tom went on a visit to Israel, and he saw more people come to Christ in a week than he did uh, in about a year here in America. And people are hungry to see a change, and they're hungry to see a difference um, in their lives in the Middle East. And, Tom, you write in your book, Standing in the Fire, Courageous Christians Living in Frightening Times, you have so many encouraging stories about people who've come to faith in Jesus Christ despite just horrific odds that they're going to be killed. And um, you you talk about a story of a man named Farid, and you title this chapter, There's No Place Like Homes. And this man, Farid, was getting death threats. He was already a Christian, right, Tom? That's right. And, you know, Farid has... Um, I mean, he, we, we always say he gets about as much death, as many death threats as we do junk mail <laughs> uh, in our mailbox. It's just continual, you know. And uh, but it doesn't phase him, and for him, it's like nothing. You know, it's it's never going to stop him. But there was a man that threatened him for five years straight, and promised to kill him, and in fact, even went to the point of spray painting on the front of his apartment. 30 different death threats, what he was going to do to Farid, his wife, his family. He labeled them. Mm -hmm. And Farid called me from Syria and said, I have 30 new death threats on my life. And I said, 30? I mean, are you just rounding that off? He goes, no, 30. And I said, how do you know 30? And he said, because they were spray painted on the front of my apartment and numbered. I can read them to you. And I thought, "My my gosh. So you can imagine what that would do to the average person here in the West, but did that stop Farid? Actually not. It made him lean into this situation more, and he even went to Rashid, who was the man that was threatening him, went to his home to visit him. So can you imagine that? The guy that says, I promise to kill you, Farid went with another pastor, Joseph, to Rashid's home, and he lives in Holmes. Syria. Now, now, which, Tom, I, 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 I've got to stop you right here as you continue the story. For Reed and his pastor friend Joseph go to Rashid's home. Now, yeah. here, a lot of times in the West, if we hear a knock at the door, I, I think that sometimes we just don't answer it, right? right. But tell right. us a little bit about the um, hospitality in the Middle East and what's expected. Well, you know, that's really interesting because I think most people think, well, why would you go to your enemy's house? Well, here's the answer. They're Arabs. And in the Mm -hmm. Arab culture, if you knock on my door, I have to open the door and let you in. I have to. 
It's just a part of the ethics of being Arab. It doesn't matter. You could hate my guts, your family against my family. It doesn't matter. You knock on my door, I open the door and welcome you in. And so Rashid's wife does that and welcomes Fareed and Joseph into the home. I love they this. Would be, they would be so disgraced by the community. Someone knocked on your door and you didn't open. That That is terrible. So his wife, Rashid's wife, opens the door and they come in to talk to Rashid and say, you know, why are you threatening to kill us and and that. And Rashid, of course, totally downplays it, lies through his teeth, says, listen, this is over. We're friends. I know your family. You know my family. We're both from Holmes, Syria here, and, and uh, there'll be no more threats. But Fareed does something really smart. He says to Rashid, I have a gift for you. And he gives him a copy of the Bible. Now, to a Muslim or an Alawite, which is a split-off group from, from Islam, very similar in many ways, that's just like, oh, my gosh, are you kidding? And But it's a gift. There's another part of the honor in the culture. You have to accept that it. it's for your family. You can't refuse it. So he hands it to Rashid, this Bible. I just want to give you your family a gift. And Rashid accepts it. But he picks it up, guys with two fingers, <laughs> like it's radioactive <laughs> material or something, right. you know, and sits it on the shelf and backs away and just kind of glares at Fareed, and that's the end of the visit. That's mm-hmm. the end of the visit. Well, more threats come. They keep coming, and finally he doesn't hear from him for a while. Fareed does not hear from Rashid and decides to go visit him again. And it ends up that he finds out that Rashid, one night in the midst of bombing raids and just all hell breaking loose in his city, went to the Quran and could find no comfort. And he saw that Bible sitting on the shelf and he thought, why not? Mm. And he picked it up. And at 7 o'clock, he said, in the evening, he sat back in his chair and started to read the Bible. And he was captured by the truth of Jesus' words. And when he looked up at the clock, it was 6 a.m. in the morning. Wow. He'd read the Bible all through the... That's how hungry he was. That's how thirsty mm-hmm. he was for the truth. That's mm-hmm. why he was going to such great lengths to, to want to kill Fareed because he thought he had the truth and Fareed didn't. And then he realizes he's the one in darkness. And it ends up that that night, he, through reading the scriptures, really to just give his life to Jesus, if you can imagine a terrorist. Mm. But that just shows you how powerful God's word is. See, we don't, we don't have to defend it. We don't have to, you know, try to prove. We just need to unleash it. Just let it go. And that man read the very words of Jesus, and he was convinced. And so the amazing thing today is Rashid went from terrorist, hated Fareed, to Fareed discipled him. The man that threatened him almost on a daily basis for five years was discipled by the man he threatened to kill. And, you know, just in God's providence, what he does, he gives us as the Spirit distributes spiritual gifts at salvation. And here's this man that wrote these long letters and texts and emails and spray-painted on his apartment. Hatred. Today, Rashid is writing worship music lifting up Jesus, and they are singing them in churches around Syria. Wow, what a testament to um, to living out God's word. Matthew five forty four. but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know, Fareed is a, a perfect example of that. And, Tom, you know, in our, in our country over the last several weeks, we've had some horrible displays of bigotry and hatred and prejudice yeah. in our own country. And some of yeah. these atrocities have been carried out by people who claim to be Christian. And I, I, I just want our listeners to know that, you know, we, we denounce this type of, of yeah. hatred and bigotry and that this is not um, indicative of, yeah. of Christian people. I mean, what's indicative of Christian people is Fareed going and loving on yeah. his enemy. And he didn't beat he didn't beat Rashid over the head. He didn't go there and say, "You stop threatening me!" Right? He he went yeah. there and just loved on him. He and did. the word of yeah. God brought Rashid to Christ. Period. That's right. 
That's right. And you know what? I think my first time in the Middle East, I, I have a friend that said, you know, the, the word, he was a Jewish believer, and he said the, the word Christian here has so much baggage. Look at the Crusaders. Mm. Look at the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah. And, and, and he said, listen, in Lebanon, Christian, it's a political party. Mm. What we're looking for here is followers of Jesus. Right. People that love Jesus, and there is a present reality to their faith today. Not just I'm part of a denomination or I was baptized or whatever. We see Jesus living through them. That's the message that the Middle East is waiting to see. People that uh, live it out and try to follow Jesus on a daily basis. And that's what Fareed did. Love your enemies. Love your enemies and look at what God did. Well, I I love that. Followers of Jesus. You, You know, God loves all people. And he wants all people to know the saving love of Jesus Christ. God Mm -hmm. sees no skin color. He sees no denominations. He sees no um, political affiliation. All he sees are souls, period. And that's what we're called to do as Christians is to see souls and just to see people for, to meet them right where they are. Boy, Rasheed, uh, Fareed met Rasheed right where he was. I, Kathy, wouldn't you just love if our society was a little bit more like the Arab society in that, hey, open your doors up, come in. That's right. Right? I mean, the hospitality is an incredible aspect of that Eastern culture. And, and I tell you, you know, Tom, while you're sharing this story, I've read this story in the book, and I've cried while I've read the story in the book, but even while you're sharing this story with our listeners, I am still here tearing up uh, in my room up here in Idaho, and so you hear me kind of being silent on this end of, of the phone lines, and, you know, that's because I'm just trying not to start bawling over radio. Because it, it is oh. incredible when you look at the mercy of Christ and, and how beautiful that is when that grace and mercy pours out from his followers. And I just think yeah. I want to be able to do mm-hmm. that. And so, Tom, how do you get past that label of Christian when you are overseas? And, and you know, because like, this is so useful yeah. to us as we're reaching out to the next generation to to either you know or or even as you're reaching out to these holocaust survivors generations ahead of you what what do you do do you talk just focus on christ and being a follower of christ and stay away from the title of christian or do you redefine what a christian is for them that's right. We try to redefine it. Of course, I'm not against the name Christian, obviously. I even put it in the title of the book. But in that culture in the Middle East, it can lose something. That's just a catch-all phrase. In many Arab countries, it just means you weren't, you weren't born a Muslim. And mm-hmm. so what I tell people when they ask me what religion, I say, you know what? I gave up religion years ago. I gave it up. It just didn't work for me. I tried to keep the rules, and I couldn't keep them. And I was forgetting the rules. I was getting in trouble by my religion for forgetting the rules. And then when I kept them, I didn't feel any closer to God, so I gave up religion. And they will always say, well, what did you do? And then I'll say, I gave Jesus my heart, and now I follow him. And so I don't do religion anymore. It just frustrates you. I follow Jesus with my whole heart. Now, that's something that differentiates us, and that's something that whether it's a Jew or a Muslim, they want to hear about. Wow. Listeners, when we return from our break, we'll talk more about giving up religion, giving up the titles, and following Jesus with our whole heart. We'll have more from Tom Doyle right after this. you want on the world of culture, the world of entertainment, the world of finances. Information you need for your world. Today's Christian Talk 1120, The Bridge. Hi, this is Steve Washburn, pastor at First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. We're the ones who just built that beautiful new 33,000 square foot worship center there on Pecan Street, just as Jenner Town. Say, listen, if you're looking for a church home, I wish you'd come check us out. Lots of other folks sure are. We're one of the fastest growing fellowships in the Austin area. We're trying our best to offer something for everyone. No matter what your situation in life, you'll find good friends here. I know I'm biased, but I believe we have some of the most uplifting worship services you'll find anywhere. 
Many of you are familiar with Tom Cotter and his praise band, By Design. Well, we're fortunate to have them leading our modern worship experience at the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. That's our largest and fastest growing group. But I'm also excited about something new we're trying in our 9 o'clock hour. Daniel Reclue is one of the area's most gifted choral directors, and he has reinvented one of the only genuinely traditional worship services in the area for those of you who are boomers and long to return to the joyful worship of your youth. Listen, Google us at First Baptist Pflugerville and come see us. Day after day, we are constantly hearing about how bad everything is. Isn't it about time to hear about what's right and good? Isn't it time for some good news? If your answers are yes, then you need the Good News Journal. The Good News Journal is published by KTXW's own Evelyn Davidson and it's packed with news and information about the good things that are happening. With a healthy dose of hope, happiness, and humor, the Good News Journal is distributed free throughout Central Texas at hundreds of locations, including Walmart, Popeye Chicken, Central Market, Bob Bullock Museum, libraries, churches, and other locations. And did we say the Good News Journal is free? For advertising information or to have an article published, call Good News Journal at 249-6535. The Good News Journal is an inspirational, patriotic journal published bi-monthly to bring you God's good news. The Good News Journal, 249-6535, or read it online at thegoodnewsjournal.net. Back now for more Love Talk right here on The Bridge 1120 with your hosts, Kathy Enderbrock and Carrie Brinkater. Listeners, welcome back to today's Christian Talk. You're here with Love Talk and the Love Ladies, Coach Carrie Brinkgater and Kathy Enderbrock. We're missing our sweet, sweet Miss Evelyn Davison today. Please continue to pray for her as she recovers um, from a fall a couple of weeks ago. We're here with an amazing author, Tom Doyle. Let me just tell you, friends, Tom Doyle has not only written Standing in the Fire, the book that we're talking about today, but he's written... Um, Uh, Many, many books, all the way back to 2004, Two Nations Under God, Why You Should Care About Israel, in 2009, Breakthrough, The Return of Hope to the Middle East, and then kind of a series of books over the last five years that give us in-depth stories about people in the Middle East, um, dreams and visions. Is Jesus awakening the Muslim world? Killing Christians, Living the Faith Where It's Not Safe to Believe. And then this amazing book, um, Courageous Christians, Living in Frightening Times, uh, Standing in the Fire. Now, Tom, we know that you were a pastor for many, many years, and then you and your wife were called to this uh, ministry in the Middle East. I I think kind of a, a question that I had as I read your books is, how did you break in? You know, how did you, uh, how did you coming over as a stranger to the land, how did you start to meet these people and gain trust in a, in all of these different communities where you're, you're a stranger? How did, how did this happen? Well, that's a great question. You know, we started going into places like Gaza, Iraq, Iran, Afghanistan, Syria, and um, we just met spiritual leaders in different places and started really recruiting and training those for to to be sharing the gospel, discipling new believers and planting life-giving churches where they could grow in Christ and so it just took off. I mean after September 11th you would think okay that's the end of outreach and evangelism in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Actually the exact opposite happened. More Muslims have come to faith in Christ in the last decade than in the last 1,400 years of oh, Islam. Wow. So you're never going to see that on CNN or Fox. You're going to see the explosions and the war and, and the refugees and all the bad things that are happening. But the fastest-growing area right now for the gospel with high response in the world is the Middle East, and mm. people are desperate. And so leaders attract leaders, and the leaders we found found more leaders. And then... I'm a note taker. Like, I like to take notes when people tell me a story or something. I like to write it down, and I started doing that as I would meet these heroes of our faith and, and some of these new believers that come out of Islam. And the reason I, I wrote down the, the notes was I thought people in America are going to have trouble believing these stories. I mean, it's going to seem so far out of their universe. I, I just need to get the details right, and I really had no idea that God was going to call us to write books. I'm thankful he did. But 
all throughout the Middle East, we've been exposed to leaders we work with and probably have about a 1,000 volunteers that we work with now throughout the Middle East and probably 60 to 70 paid workers. So we are, as we're there, getting stories daily, really. Wow. We, we, could, we could write many well, more. Yeah. And one of the things that I love, Tom, that you lay out in your books is that you will not share a story if if it is if you can't get close to its source. You right. insist that every story you share, you you either talk directly with the person whose story it is, or if that person has has martyred, has you know has died for the faith, you talk with a very close friend or a family member. Yeah. So. It's not like these stories have been passed down a grapevine and you're just kind of getting an oral version of something that's happened, you know, to a friend of a friend of a cousin of a uncle. <laughs> you're right yeah. there. You're, you're getting the firsthand report. Mm-hmm. That's right. They're, they're not fiction. They're real stories. And, you know, we want people to see that Jesus is not sitting on the throne biting his nails because of the Islamic State or the war in Syria or the refugee problem. He's right in the middle of it, loving people to Christ, bringing them to faith in Jesus. And it's happening around the Middle East. Again, that would not sell on CNN. It just wouldn't, or MSNBC or whatever you watch. It just wouldn't. But the truth is, the physical war on the ground is just a reflection of the spiritual war raging in the heavenlies. That's where the real war is. And what's happening is Muslims are embracing Christ. Jews in Israel are embracing Christ. A little bit slower, but it's happening. Jesus is on the move in the Middle East where everything started, where the gospel went out, rang out from. And we're just privileged to meet these people. It's kind of like meeting people from Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of faith, (laughs) you know, (laughs) uh, by faith. You know, Abraham did this meeting present-day examples of that, and they are humble, they are simple people, they see this as normal, well, of course I'd be willing to die for Jesus. And these are questions we're asking them before they accept Christ. Are you willing to suffer? Mm -hmm. Yes. Are you willing to die for Jesus? Because that happens. That could happen. Your family could even kill you. You come from a Sunni Muslim background. Are you willing to die for Jesus? Yes. Mm And ladies, I think of those two questions, I think, can you imagine if we had those two questions in the new members class in our church (laughs) in America? I mean, talk about emptying the class fast, right? Pretty quick, right? Yeah. Yeah, but that's normal for them. Well, and Tom, aren't also, and, uh, you know, I've just, I've been just devouring these books. Aren't these individuals asked to write down a list of five names of the people least likely to kill them immediately and go out and share the good news with those five people? I mean, that, that's know, outrageous. But, but they are so uh, just in love, and the peace that they have experienced covering their heart and mind is nothing like they've ever experienced before. And the word is so alive for them, and the love of Christ is so active, they want to share it with others. And so you say, okay, well, let's not go share it with people who you know are immediately going to, you know, shove a sieve through your gut. Let's share it maybe with the five who are least likely to kill you. Yeah, it it is truly amazing. And one of our leaders, Jamal from Jordan, said this, the day that they accept Jesus, we take them to share the gospel. Oh. They go that day. They share their they share their testimony. Um, an hour ago, Muhammad over here, tell them what happened. Well, I received Jesus. They want them to show, to see that's normal. And then secondly, they're baptized quickly. So for a Muslim to leave Islam, embrace Jesus, and then be water baptized, I mean, that is kind of like the end of the, that's the dividing line. And so I met a young man, Mahmoud, in Jordan, and I said, Mahmoud, I'm so proud of you. It's amazing you came to faith in Christ two weeks ago, and then the next week you were baptized. That takes a lot of guts for a Muslim. And he said, well, Tom, Jesus said in the Bible, believe and be baptized. Mm. It's not a graduation. It's an initiation. Wow. That's what we do. And wow. I thought, why was the pastor? We had like 16 weeks of classes. Then you could be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Yes, discipleship is an important part. 
Well, you don't have to wait for the baptism. Believe and be baptized, and then be discipled, and that's what they're doing. And so I think it just sinks in fast. And then in their DNA, a part of it is this, you will suffer, and you probably will die for Jesus. And so Mm -hmm. that's why we wrote Standing in the Fire, because these people that we write about are not clamoring to get the first train out of their country, Syria and Iraq. They're committed to staying. They believe that Jesus has planted them there, and what they're doing is more important than escaping with their family to safety. You know, one thing that I I love about these books is it really dispels a lot of stereotypes that um, Mm -hmm. we've kind of been fed here by news media or whatever, or just stereotypes that we may build up in our own head. And, and you and I both know, Tom, Kathy, that stereotypes can really get us in a lot of trouble. And, you know, we seem to think that all Muslims are jihadists and that yeah. all Muslims want to kill, you know, Christians. And it's just really not true, right, Tom? I mean, it's that a lot of these people are just trying to raise their families. In, oh, they are. In a world yeah. that's that's torn by war. Yeah. It, you just can't believe the the odds against them to, mm-hmm. to raise a family. I mean, you know, we was talking to someone that lived in Damascus, and they said one day 92 bombs exploded oh. in Damascus. Oh, my 92 gosh. in one day. Imagine raising your little children there and, and what it's like. And so, yeah, they just, they are overcomers. They're not leaving, and they see Jesus in every moment of their life. And you know what? They don't expect to live till tomorrow. Right. So they live all out for today. They're bold. They're sharing their faith. They expect that they're probably going to be killed. I mean, when you see Christians being crucified on crosses in Syria, especially when they come from a Muslim background, that is Mm -hmm. likely to happen to them. But it doesn't stop them. In fact, persecution doesn't stop the church. It propels the church. It, it's it, there's always harvest and persecution together. We see it throughout our history. Mm-hmm. So we are honored to know them, really privileged to spend time with them and hear their stories and just see their commitment that's being lived out day to day. Wow. Now, Tom, we also hear we have a, a just about two minutes before our next okay. break, and we also hear a lot about the refugee situation. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions as far as that's concerned as well. You've been there. You see what's yeah. going on. Can you, as a yeah. firsthand knowledge, can you help explain that to me and our listeners? Yeah. Well, I think it's horrific what's happening. It's the worst humanitarian crisis since World War II, and it may end up since World War One. Um, but as an American Christian sitting here watching television, seeing Muslims come in, there is potential danger. Mm-hmm. And I want you to know that I'm not like a deluded missionary. Right. My dad was an FBI. We, he was an organized crime specialist, which means he fought the mafia. So in my family, you know, you were guilty until proven innocent. My dad <laughs> was law and order, right? Right. And so I think many people see the refugees and go, we don't want them here. And they're looking at it through one lens, like a mm-hmm. telescope. I say look through at that issue with binoculars, two lenses. The right lens is the government. We want the government to keep us safe. We have to have better screening. Mm -hmm. There are some people getting in that potentially are bad Mm -hmm. and will try to kill us. But on the other lens, we're the church, and we've been called to fulfill the Great Commission, and we've got to stop defaulting over to the government to fix the Muslim problem. We have the answers. We have the truth. Let the government do its job. Let the church do its job. And we've been called to go to the nations, and guess what? The nations are here. They're in our backyard. The 1040 window of unreached people is out our window now. The Muslims are coming. The Muslims are coming. The Muslims are here. Mm -hmm. Are we going to reach them, or are we going to shrink back in fear and be absorbed by the news, getting our worldview from the news, and then doing nothing? Mm -hmm. We We just can't do it as believers. Wow. It's a great perspective, Tom, and I and I really appreciate that. The you, you called it the greatest humanitarian crisis since World War II and potentially since World War One. That is, that that should wake us up as a Christian people yes. to know that, yes, uh, okay, there are hazards with this, and our government needs to do its job in screening, but there are people who are hurting and who need um, help. 
And yes. um, as Christians, that's our job. And so, Amen. wow, thank you for thank you for clarifying some of that. Um, oh, gosh, listeners, we only have one more segment left. Uh, we will be back after these messages from our wonderful, wonderful sponsors, um, who many of our sponsors have been with Love Talk for over 20 years. So we, we pray that you will join us for our last segment with Tom Doyle right after these messages. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow, these guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca. And they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-258-0093 or www.timsmithlandscaping.com. One more segment of Love Talk with Kathy Indebrock and Carrie Brinkader. Their guest today is Tom Doyle. Welcome back, listeners, to today's Christian Talk. You're here uh, with Love Talk on the Bridge. Thank you so much for joining us. What a powerful show today. I think we've dispelled some myths um, about the Muslim community. I also think that we've brought that, Tom, you have brought a deeper understanding to us um, through sharing stories and just giving us a firsthand look at what's going on in the Middle East. And we, we sure do appreciate everything that you've done. Before we went to break, um, we we were just uh, talking about reaching out and stepping forward, talking about dispelling some of these myths. Um, you told us a wonderful story about Fareed and um, how he just reached out to an enemy. And then we have another story of Mido, who is a convert from Islam to Christianity, but Mido was a part of ISIS. Uh, wow. Tell us about Mido, Tom. Well, you know, Mido was a part of the Islamic State. He lived in Mosul, and we all know a few years ago when the Islamic State came in and cleaned out Mosul, an ancient Christian city, leveled the churches, blew them up, uh, had everybody put on the front of their house, if they were a Christian, the, the Arabic letter N, mm-hmm. meaning that they were of the Nazarene, following the Nazarene, Jesus. Then they gave him 24 hours to leave or die, or convert to Islam, or pay an exorbitant tax, and ISIS would protect them, whatever that means, sure, right? right. Mm-hmm. So the majority of them just left. But Mita was there, and he has lived through the Iraqi war and has seen his country disintegrate into ashes. And when the Islamic State came into Mosul, he signed up willingly. He thought this is going to bring back the glory years of Sunni Islam here in our country, will be a vibrant force again. But as he is carrying out his duties and as he is there in Mosul while everything is falling apart, he starts to see how horrific the group is that he's working with, the the theology of rape, where they they Mm -hmm. have to rape women to prove that they've conquered this city. What they were doing to Christians was just despicable. And one day, Mito walks around the corner and sees three men hanging on crosses. Mm-hmm. And they are within, he thinks, maybe an hour of dying. It, it, it's bad. It's grim. And it just grabbed him to think, oh, my gosh, some of these men I grew up with, and now they're hanging on crosses. Mm-hmm. And he got closer and looked and was just shocked that they were singing praise songs to Jesus together. The three men. And as he got close, one man lifted up his head and knew that Mito was with the Islamic State. He lifted up his head and he smiled at him. Mm. And Mito said at that point, those men had more life than he had. They were dying and going to heaven and he wanted to kill himself. He, he, he just couldn't believe his life had disintegrated into that. And he decided he had to escape, and it took him about a month, but he escaped and went north, and a Christian man gave him some money. He got on a flight, got out of Iraq, ended up in Istanbul, and is just wandering the streets, 
thinking, what have I done to my life? How could I be involved in killing people? And what, what they were doing on the cross, what they were doing to young girls as sex slaves, just all the guilt was piling on. And an Iraqi man spotted him on the street and befriended him and said, Mito, you know, I'd love for you to meet some friends. We've got some other Iraqis here. Boy, our country's falling apart, isn't it? Let's get together and commiserate. And his friend takes him into this uh, apartment, and Mito doesn't realize it, but they're Iraqi believers, and it's a church, mm-hmm. and they're worshiping. And as soon as he gets there, he starts backpedaling, and his new friend says, I'm so sorry, I, d- I didn't realize that you were, you know, uh, Samir says, I didn't realize you are you Muslim? And he said, yeah, I am. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, this must freak you out. Well, you don't have to stay. But something drew Mito in, and he walked in to that meeting. And as he did, when he heard what was going on, he burst into tears, and here's the reason why. They were singing the same worship song that those three men on the cross were singing. Praise Jesus more and more. Praise him more and more. And he realized whether they were suffering on a cross or whether they were in the safety of an apartment in Istanbul, that faith was real and his wasn't. And within a week, through opening the Bible and meeting with these friends, he became a follower of Jesus. An Islamic State member gives up everything and follows Jesus. And once he got discipled, he decided, i got to go back. I've got to go back. And he did. And he went and lived with the Christians that had been pushed out of Mosul and went into the Kurdish area, you know, where the UN had tents for them. And he went and they welcomed him as a new brother in Christ, the man who had been part of persecuting him. I mean, this is a Saul becoming Paul story from Acts. And, um, and he lives with those believers now. And there's freedom for them to go back into Mosul now that ISIS has been defeated. But that's his life, killing Christians to becoming one and worshiping Jesus. But it all started with the witness of three men on the cross living out their faith, not crying out, not angry, not cursing God, worshiping him as they went to their death. Wow. Oh, man. Tom, such a powerful story, and I think God orchestrates things in such amazing ways. Um, it's no, it's no chance. It, it's it's not just chance that the same song was being sung in the church oh. that the men were singing on the cross. That's not fate. That's Christ. Um, you know, I, I did a little social media experiment before this um, this interview and just asked. I have friends um, from all different backgrounds, um, atheist, agnostic, Christian, Buddhist, Hindu, um, and pretty much everywhere in between. And I just kind of asked them what what were their fears when it came to sharing their belief system or their faith. And some of the answers that I got um, are, well, they're all valid. They're all real. Um, you know, that that their life will not be representative of the Christian life that, that they're talking about. They're afraid that their real life hurts and trials will prevent other people from seeing a loving God. They're afraid, mm-hmm. afraid their words will be inadequate. Afraid that Christian stereotypes will take over and that they'll be judged immediately and perceived as unloving or anti-Muslim or anti-gay or whatever. Um, That they're afraid to speak up at their job because they're afraid they might lose their job. So all of these are incredibly valid and incredibly real. And it's what we deal with here in the West. And I... I just parallel that to what um, these new Christians are feeling and believing as they reach out and step forward. Um, but Tom, with all of our fears here in the West, um, how can we reach out and step forward? These are your words. Um, to reach out and yeah. step forward or shrink back in fear. Um, Kathy, yeah. you said earlier, we know how to shrink back in fear. Um, but how do, we, how, how do we reach out and step forward? Mm. Well, you know, where we live in Texas, Texas has now uh, the most Muslims of any state in America. So we used to think of Detroit as the Muslim capital of the world in Michigan. Now it's Texas. We have more. The economy's good. There's a lot of jobs. 
so people can marginalize Muslims, ignore them in the store when they see a woman with a hijab, or they can walk up and greet them and say hello and ask them, How, where are you from? What's it like moving here? Mm-hmm. We once a month do food distribution to refugees in apartments. And, you know, this was so sad, ladies. But Joanne went and brought uh, food to this one woman, and she had a bunch of kids and was there with her husband. And, of course, she's in a full black hijab. And she gave Joanne a hug and said she's from Syria. And she mm-hmm. said, thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping my family. And then she gave Joanne the biggest, tightest hug and then pulled back and looked her in the face and said, and thank you for not being afraid of me. Oh, wow. And so we're not the only ones watching the news. And they're seeing what's happening. And they're seeing what's happening to their religion. And you know what? I can tell you this. Yes, there's a problem with Islamic terrorism around the world, it is a geopolitical problem that's not probably going away in our lifetime. It's just not. But the majority of Muslims we meet are very open and are as turned off about that as we are. Now, they may not speak up out of fear, and more Americans say, well, why don't they speak up? Because they're afraid. Mm -hmm. It's it's mafia rule. The worst go to the top. But the majority of them, as loving Christians pull close to them, listen, there's no other option but Jesus. Through all of this chaos and war, they're seeing Jesus for who he is. They're seeing followers of Jesus for who they are. And then they're also seeing the radical extremes of their religion, Islam, for what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's destroying their society, and they want out. And so what better way for Christians to be there to model and live the truth and love them and reach out to them. So don't push refugees away, embrace them. And I just got to tell you this quick story. There's a church in Spokane that heard 900 Syrian refugees were coming to their city. Do you know there was people protesting in the paper saying we don't want them and all that? One church decided to do something different. They got the flight schedule from the federal authorities when they were coming in to Spokane from Syria, and they got many people from the church and stood as the refugees came out and greeted them and had signs in Arabic that said this, Welcome to our city. We're glad you're here. Wow. We love Jesus, and we're your friends. And do you know this summer they did a Muslim vacation Bible school at their church? They went to all these families and said, we're going to do a Bible. It's, it's a, a week that you get away from your kids, but we're teaching from the Bible. Is that okay? Yes, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I get a week off. How do I sign up, right? Uh-huh. And many of those children exposed to the gospel, several of them prayed to receive Jesus, some of their friends. Have. That's being proactive and not fear-based. That is amazing. Tom, we have just a, a one or two minutes. Can you tell us how our listeners can contact you and find out more about you with your Facebook page and your new ministries? Yes. So we just started Uncharted Ministries, and it's on uh, Facebook. And then also probably an easy way to get me is just go to standinginthefirebook.com, standinginthefirebook.com. And you'll have all kinds of things. You can write comments. You can get in touch with me. We do a lot of speaking and training in churches and that. Joanne and I do. And, and you can certainly get us that way. So we'd, we'd, we'd love to help out in any way we can. Not be afraid. Jesus is on the throne. The gospel is surging around the world. And more people are coming to faith in Christ than ever before, despite what the news says. Don't take your worldview from the news. Let's take it from the Bible. Oh, thank you so much, Tom Doyle. Thank you, Kathy. I, I really appreciate um, everything you guys have done for this, this show. Tom, standing in the fire, listeners, um, I, I highly encourage you, you can get it off of the Amazon. Go to the standinginthefirebook.com. You can get it there. All kinds of places are selling this book, and it's, it's a huge, huge eye-opener in many, many ways. Um, listeners, I'll leave you with this, 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love. Love others deeply, my friends. Love covers over a multitude of sins. We'll be with you back next time on Love Talk. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a blessed and a wonderful day.